We are continuing our series entitled Nickled and Dimed. Uh, what does God have to say about our money and our stuff? Uh, as Pastor John talked about last week, uh, we really don't talk about this uh, topic often. Uh, many people are not thrilled to hear about the topic of money talked about in church. It kind of reinforces um, the stereotype that the church is just interested in our money. Um, and just so you know, as pastors, we don't like talking about it. So if you don't like hearing about it, we don't like talking about it, so we're all in the same boat here. But our relationship to our money is critical to our faith. Uh, and the Bible talks about money over 800 times, and 15% uh, of the time when Jesus speaks, he's either talking about money or using it as an illustration for something. Uh, there is this relationship between our finances and our faith. Uh, finances speak volumes. Uh, to our faith. And so, so just some of the things that were shared uh, last week um, is that our relationship with money reveals our hearts. Uh, we often use our finances uh, to gain control over our lives. And the cure to being controlled by the coin is to give it away. Uh, but before I, I, I begin, I just want to affirm uh, your generosity. I've been here for over 16 years. And I cannot think of a time when I haven't seen you be generous. Uh, every time that we've asked you to give to something, you have been generous. Whether it's to the general ministry here, or to monthly missions challenge offerings, or to natural disaster relief, uh, to the building fund, to Thanksgiving offerings, to feed the need food drive, to Christmas assistance, or even something like January Jam when we gave a delivery driver a $1,000 tip. There has never been a time when I have not seen you be generous, and I just want to thank you for that. Um, this morning, we're going to look at what happens when you give here. The relationship between our finances and our faith, how does it play out when you give here at TFRC? Our scripture reader for this morning is Pam McCarroll, so I'm going to ask Pam to make her way on up to the podium. As she does, I'm going to ask if you're able to please stand and face the center of the room. Uh, we stand because we believe that this is the Word of God, and we read from the center of the room to remind us, both as individuals and as a community of faith, that the Bible is to be central in our lives. And so, Pam, whenever you are ready, please read from Philippians chapter 4. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the manner of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Pam, thank you very much. You may be seated. I titled this message Identity Projection. Um, now that's a psychological concept some of you are familiar with. But when I talk about identity projection, 
Um, that's not what I mean. I'm not talking about the psychology thing. Um, what I mean by identity projection is that our stuff is an extension of ourselves. Our stuff is an extension of ourselves. One of the reasons um, money is such a touchy subject is because it represents more than just the, the finances of it. Our money, it becomes a part of us. Um, one of my greatest fears is, you know, losing some part of my body, a finger, a toe, a hand, leg, whatever. Uh, and some of you have. You, you, some of you have lost parts of your bodies. What makes me fear that so much is the sense of loss. Um, because while I'm more than my fingers and toes, I'm much more than that, to lose those parts would be emotionally and psychologically brutal uh, because they're a part of me. And in a very similar way, this is true for all of our stuff, including our money. It becomes a part of us. And the Bible addresses this reality that our stuff is a part of us. Uh, there are two places in the Bible that you can find the Ten Commandments. One place is Exodus chapter 20, and the other place is Deuteronomy chapter 5. And um, Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, and Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 19, they both say the same thing as part of the Ten Commandments. You shall not steal. You shall not steal. It's right there with no adultery. It's right there with no murder. You shall not steal. And I want us to think about this commandment, you shall not steal, for a second. Um, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to share with someone seated around you a time when someone stole something from you. A time when someone stole something from you. And I want it to be a material thing. I don't want to hear about how someone stole your art. Okay? Uh, I know it's Valentine's weekend. That's not what I'm looking for. Something material, okay? I'll go first while you think of something, all right? Um, I was going to community college in California, and I rode my bike to campus one day, and I parked it in a bike rack in a very public part of campus, and I put my bike lock on my bike, which was on the bike rack in a very public part of campus, came back two hours later, and my bike was gone. I called campus security the police, CIA, FBI, CSI, uh, NCIS, NCIS LA, NCIS New Orleans, and none of them could find my bike. Um, okay, so what I want you to do now is turn towards someone sitting near you, and if you have to introduce yourself, go ahead and do that, but just share a time when someone stole something from you, okay, and go. Okay, I don't see anybody weeping, so that's good that this wasn't too emotionally distraught experience for you. Um, but hey, when someone steals from you, when someone steals from you, how does it make you feel? You come home and someone has broken into your house, or you return to your car in the parking lot and it's gone, or whatever it is that someone steals from you, how does it make you feel? And if you think about it, you feel violated, right? You feel violated. Now, if you're held up at gunpoint or physically assaulted or something like that, that feeling of being violated, well, that makes sense. But even if you weren't there when your stuff was stolen, like me and my bike, you still feel violated. Why? Nothing happened to you. It happened to your stuff. 
And the reason you feel violated when someone steals from you is because your stuff is an extension of you. And when it's stolen, you feel violated. And when you give it away, you are giving away a part of yourself. Now there's an irony to giving. Uh, and that is, is that giving actually can give you something. Uh, the fact is, is that giving can give you lots of things. But one thing that it can give you is something called koinonia. K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A, koinonia. If you have your Bibles open to Philippians 4, just look at verses 14 and 15. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. In verse 14, you see it says, share in my troubles. And then in verse 15, it says, shared with me. That word for share in the original Greek is koinonia. Koinonia is this Greek word that appears in some really key spots in the New Testament. It means fellowship, communion, sharing. In fact, about a year ago, we did a series entitled Koinonia. I don't want to know how many of you remember that because I don't want to know how many of you don't remember that, okay? But about a year ago, we did this series on koinonia. It was about the sacrament of communion. Koinonia isn't simply spending time together or hanging out together. Koinonia is a bond. It's about identity. When you share in an experience or you share in a cause, that experience or cause makes you bond together. And that bond in the Bible is called koinonia. And you can see koinonia in different groups of people. Families have koinonia. Military veterans have koinonia. Sports teammates have koinonia. There is this bond that you really can't explain. Something has joined them together. That's koinonia. It's often translated as fellowship in the Bible. Uh, there are two places in the life of TFRC that this idea of fellowship is routinely encountered. Um, at the end of every service, we give a blessing, and the blessings come from various passages of Scripture. One that we use routinely here comes from 2 Corinthians. Um, this should sound familiar, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That fellowship is koinonia. Uh, if you go to the middle of the octagon and you look at the floor in the, in the center uh, tile, uh, you will see this verse referenced. It's Acts 2.42. Uh, you can't go there right now because of all your generosity with feed the need. But when that food gets cleared out, you can go there, look at this verse it's referenced. Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Again, that fellowship word is koinonia. It's foundational for us here at TFRC. And Jesus said something about our stuff being an extension of ourselves. We heard it last week when Jesus said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your stuff is, that is where you are. And so when the Philippians gave Paul the financial gift, they gave a part of themselves. And that is what Paul was excited about. 
Now, he was happy about the financial gift because he needed the practical help. But when he says, yet it was good for you to share in my troubles, Paul was excited about the bond, the shared identity, the shared purpose. He was excited about the koinonia. It was a bond formed through the giving of the Philippians. They shared in a common cause. And giving unites us in three ways. Giving unites us to our community. If you go back to the passage in Philippians 4, uh, about halfway through verse 15 is where I'll pick up here. Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Again, that word shared, koinonia, when they gave, Paul and the Philippians were bonded together. And then they continued to give because of that bond. We have this large pile of food in the octagon that's for the Feed the Need food drive. And it goes to the mustard seed food pantry. And there's a couple of reasons for putting the food in the middle of the octagon for us to see. One is it allows us to see our generosity. It's one thing for us to report how much food we're given or how much pounds of food we're given, you know, to give you a bunch of numbers, but it's another thing for us to actually see it. And your generosity is amazing. Second reason for putting it there is it's a nice reminder. Oh yeah, that's right, feed the need food drive. And it's a great reminder or encouragement for us to participate in that. But there's at least one other reason. That pile of food represents our koinonia. As a community of faith, we are united together. And we are bonded to the mustard seed. We believe in what the mustard seed is doing and so we give to it. And even if you've never been to the mustard seed, maybe you don't even know where it is, and when you give to the food drive, you are bonding yourself to the mustard seed. Uh, Liz Metalkow, who's in charge of the seed, I haven't talked to her about this, uh, but I'm confident that when she sees all that food, it's a huge encouragement to her. Now, if you ask her and she says, Pastor Chuck doesn't know what he's talking about, then I stand corrected. But I'm pretty sure it's a huge encouragement to her, not just because of what can be done with all that food, but it's a reminder of the bond that we have with the seed and we have with her. And the same thing with the building fund. We have the sign sharing how much has been given. You walk by it every time you come in here. And the amount that you have given, that has been given, it's amazing. I shake my head every time I think about it. I just can't believe uh, the generosity of this place. It's a big deal. And when I look at what has been given, I don't just see the dollar amount. I see the koinonia of this place. You don't know what that sense of bond, that sense of being united, what that does to me that we are united together in a supernatural way and our gifts bond us together. Our gifts unite us to this community. I have a pretty good idea of how Paul felt. It wasn't just his financial needs that were taken care of, although that mattered a lot. For him, the gifts were a tangible way of being united, of being bonded with his brothers and sisters in Philippi. Giving unites us to our community. And giving unites us to our calling. If you look back at verses 14 and 15 from the passage one more time, it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, 
In the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. Paul says that you shared in my troubles. That word troubles is the same word that is used for the word tribulation, like the kind of tribulation Jesus talks about at the end of days or the kind of tribulation Revelation talks about. It's tribulations and trials in relationship to spreading the gospel. The Philippians were united with Paul in the cause of the gospel. And when we give, we are united to our calling, our calling to spread the good news of Jesus, spreading the good news in word and in deed. And we use a phrase from time to time saying that giving fuels the ministry of TFRC, that every person that is blessed through our children's ministry or youth ministry or visitation ministry or young at heart or Monday night or Wednesday night or sunshine circle or mom's group or summer serve or harvest extravaganza or summit sisters or the journey or January jam or worship ministry or missions. And I'm sure I'm forgetting something. Your giving unites you to the ministry and calling of TFRC and every person that TFRC blesses, you have blessed. Every person who comes to faith in Jesus or grows in their faith in Jesus, you have been a part of that. I go back and think about that tip that we gave at January, Jim, the $1,000 tip. And I really didn't have anything to do with organizing that. Um, that was the family ministry team and the team that they had formed. Uh, but it was great because after we announced what we were doing, and I remember I was standing in the back, people went crazy to give. It was cold that night, and there were a ton of people that ran out to their cars so they could get something, some money to give to that tip. And when we gave the tip to the single mom, there were all sorts of tears because everyone who gave felt a part of it. Giving unites to our calling. And giving unites us to Christ. If you go and look in Philippians chapter 4, the last two verses Pam read, verses 17 and 18, where it says, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more being be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied, and now that I have received from Epiditus the gifts given you have sent, they are fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Paul uses the phrase, credited to your account. That's a financial metaphor for building of your faith. Again, Paul is more encouraged by their faith than by their gifts. He invested in their faith. You can read about Paul and Philippi in Acts chapter 16. And so he invested in their faith. And now he sees their faith in a very tangible way. Look, when you've invested in the faith of someone else and then you see their lives change because of their faith in Christ, look, it doesn't get any better than that. It just doesn't. Their giving connected the Philippians to their faith and it connected them to Christ. And Paul calls the gifts a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Those are all worship terms. Giving is an act of worship. 
And when we give to this community of faith, we are giving to God. And when we give to God, we acknowledge that all we have comes from him. And it's one thing to say that we believe everything we have comes from God. It's another thing to show we believe by giving back. Giving unites us to Christ. And I just want to close with three quick truths about giving. First of all, um, God doesn't need your money. He owns everything. He created the universe, our world, everything in it. Uh, so God doesn't need your money. God has enough. And you'll be happy to know God is doing just fine. He's in good shape, okay? You don't have to worry about him. But when we give to God, we are giving a part of us. And as I've been saying, our stuff is an extension of us. And when we give to God, we give a part of ourselves. And that's why God talks about it so much. That's why it matters to God that when we give ourselves to God, that is pleasing to God. When we give ourselves to God, that is an acceptable sacrifice to God. And giving ourselves is a fragrant offering to God. And then the third thing you remember is God wants all of us. All of me, all of you. The truth is God wants our hearts, God wants our souls, God wants our minds. And isn't that the greatest commandment? Uh, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And again, in whatever part we hold back, because we always hold back something, um, God wants it and he's patient. He'll, he'll work on us. But Christ literally gave his life for us. And so we give ourselves to him. As it says in Romans 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. God wants you to give because it's a part of you. And where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be also. Many of you, many of you are very generous and you give all the time here. And I don't know if you've ever thought about your giving in this way, that your giving has bonded you to this community of faith. And that bond is also one of the reasons you continue to give here. You are united to this community, you are united to our calling, and you are united to Christ. Uh, some of you, you, you don't give at all, and maybe you wonder, well, why should I give? Why, why bother? And I really can't think of a better reason for you to give than to become united with us. I would love for your heart to be here at TFRC. I would love for your heart to be more connected to Jesus. And giving, it gives us this sense of purpose. In our last series called Hardwired for Holiness. We talked about how we are hardwired to be a part of something larger than ourselves, to surrender our lives to something bigger than just us, to surrender our lives to Christ, to join Christ in the building of his kingdom, to unite with this community of faith we call TFRC. All of that gives us the sense of purpose. And giving is just one thing you can do to unite with us in the cause of Christ. Please pray with me.
Lord, again, we come before you just mindful of your mercy and your goodness to us. And Lord, I would just ask that you would bless this community of faith and bless each and every one of us who are a part of it with a real tangible sense of koinonia, that we are bonded together. Uh, through all of our differences, we are bonded together for the sake of Christ. And so, Lord, I would ask that you would just reveal in our hearts what part of us we are holding back from you. And just make us aware of that this morning. But, Lord, we thank you once again for your goodness to us. And it's in the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Receive God's blessing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.